Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Hi, Bulldog fans. Our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season. It's concert season. It's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you wherever you are today. The sun did come up today in Starkville, Mississippi. I was not awake to see it. I did try to sleep in a little bit today after a busy day yesterday. Big news as uh, Coach Vic Schaefer has left God's country to return to his native land of Texas. We're going to talk a lot about that today. I know many of you are down in the dumps. I am too. It is very disappointing. We all felt at some point this would happen. We didn't think it would be to Texas. I think many of us have said, you know, he'll just wait for the Texas A&M job. He is an Aggie after all. Graduated from Texas A&M. Was an assistant coach there. Won a national championship as an assistant coach at A&M. And I think now that Gary Blair has basically announced that he's just going to continue to coach for the foreseeable future, Vic saw this as an opportunity to get back home, an opportunity to uh, to be closer to family, an opportunity to help advance uh, Blair's career. You know, as a coach, I know that Blair Schaefer wants to be a coach and follow in her dad's footsteps. So all of those objectives were kind of met. So we'll talk about all that. Had a chance to speak to Coach John Cohen last night about his direction in the search. You can read that article for free over on jeanspage.com. Just ran it as a straight Q&A, not me trying to be cute or anything. I put the questions, the answers. You can see exactly what John had to say yourself. We're in good hands. But it is the end of an era, and it is something that uh, was kind of unexpected. So we'll get into some of that today. Got another great top ten list for you. We'll talk a little bit about the transfer portal and some developments in that respect and a few other things. Life goes on. Speaking of life going on, you can add to the quality of your life by getting a great restaurant-quality hamburger from our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of the show, as I shared with you last week. New family special. You get four Bulldog Burgers. That's the the Bulldog. That's that's the straight-ahead, rock-and-roll, restaurant-quality burger. 
the Bulldog, the signature burger at Bulldog Burger. You can get the Bulldog, four orders of fries, and a gallon of sweet tea for 29 bucks. That's outstanding. Mom, Dad, you're looking for a, you know, for a good meal. You're looking for something that's affordable. You're looking for great quality, something that you know the kids will eat. Here you go. Bulldog Burger Company now with two locations to serve you. On University Drive right here in Starkville on Gloucester Street in Tupelo, Mississippi. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people in Starkville and now Tupelo go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's go ahead and jump into this. Vic Schaefer, after eight years, leaves Mississippi State to become the head coach of the University of Texas. And of course, they're, I understand they're building a uh, $500 million basketball palace out there, you know, and so they're, they're really doubling down on basketball. Now, we got news Friday that Texas was making a coaching change. I got a text from someone that works in uh, university administration at another institution. They shared with me, said, hey, listen, just want to bring in the loop here. Uh, I understand Texas is going to kick the tires a little bit and gauge Vic Schaefer's interest in the job. That comes from somebody at the University of Texas, somebody very familiar with the search. At that point, this is Friday afternoon, and uh, texted Robbie Falk, who Robbie's covered from his basketball for us. It's kind of a heads up, and we both decide, well, it's kind of an odd fit. You know, it's, it's worth keeping an eye on just because of the fact that there is the Texas thing. And I think Robbie and I both, after we talk, kind of feel like, you know what, this is probably just another one of those things. Because, listen, Vic gets mentioned in connection with jobs all the time. A lot of people don't know this. Vic was offered the Tennessee job and turned it down. And so it is not atypical. But because of the fact that State was paying him at such a high rate, it kind of priced him out of the market for a lot of schools, but not Texas. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Texas has the highest athletic budget in the NCAA. I believe $219 million, something ridiculous like that. Mississippi State, 35th on that list last year. But Texas has more money than anybody, you know, when it comes to all this. And uh, one of the things that I think is interesting, and I, and I want to kind of address some of this today. Every time that something like this happens, there is a segment of our fan base, and our fan base is not unique in this capacity. But there is a segment of our fan base, we start thinking, okay, well who, well, who do we blame for this? What happens now? Let's find a way to blame this on Mississippi State. Oh, we're just poor, pitiful Mississippi State. Well, let me go ahead and bring you up to speed on a couple things. Mississippi State administrators offered to match and exceed the money taxes offered Vic. Vic tells our administration, hey, guys, it's got nothing to do with money. Listen, you guys have been great. I know that I can make a great living there at Mississippi State. This is a chance for me to go back home. I have spoke to multiple people yesterday and today who have been in contact with Vic Schaefer in the past 24 hours. That story is consistent with what they have been told as well from Vic himself, is that this was simply a matter of what he felt was best for his family. You know, it's one of those things too. people say, well, Steve, you know, he's building that huge house out there. And that's true. And I understand this to kind of give you... <laughs> Uh, you know, some credibility to, to the sourcing of the reports. I, I'm told all they've got left to do is a few kitchen things. Got some cabinetry to do in the kitchen. Got an island to put in and a few, you know, a few things here and there. The nuts and bolts that they weren't quite ready to move in, but they've, uh, you know, they're getting close. And then this opportunity came along. And a lot of people say, well, Steve, why now? What's the timing? What's happened? Well, Texas has opened up. And I think in, when you look at Vic's situation, if Gary Blair is going to continue to coach for, you know, say three, four, five years or whatever, how many opportunities is Vic going to have an opportunity to go back and take a major job in his home state? Vic is originally from Houston, Texas. Austin, not too terribly far away from there. He's got sister there. He's got extended family there. He'll be able to share this experience with them. And again, I know that Blair wants to be a college coach. This gives her some opportunities, you know. And so Vic made the decision that he felt was best for he and his family. But you never know when those opportunities are coming. That's what people say. Well, it's just weird timing because he was building a house. Well, who knew that Texas was going to fire their basketball coach this year? When Vic and, and Holly broke ground on that house, they expected to be here for the foreseeable future. And then this opportunity comes along. You just never know when opportunity is going to knock at your door. And so the timing on all of that changes. 
You know, I think about my own life, and I, I was on Chris Brooks' show earlier today, and I talked some about this. You know, I am from Mississippi. I am proud to be from Mississippi. I am proud to live in Mississippi. I love being from Mississippi. I think you learn how to deal with everybody here in Mississippi. People from all walks of life and socioeconomic backgrounds. I mean, I, I think, you know, there's, there's an interesting cross-section of people in Mississippi that you deal with every single day. You're not really insulated from each other. We are right now due to a global pandemic, but in your day-to-day life in Mississippi, we cross paths with people that are different from us all the time. I like that diversity. I really do. And so when I got ready to move back to Mississippi, because Mississippi is my home, I've, I've been away for 18 years. And I've got a lot of friends, you know, back in Baton Rouge that they said, you know, well, why now? You know, what, what, what's going on? As a matter of fact, we, it's interesting. We moved, we packed up and relocated the family, the entire crew, in the middle of the school year. It's in September, right? And so we moved to Starkville the week that Mississippi State was going to play LSU in Baton Rouge. Went back and stayed in my empty house in Baton Rouge to go cover the state LSU ball game. So the timing on that was a little bit odd because you never know when opportunities are going to come along. And that's the case in a situation with Vic. I've heard people say, well, there's got to be more to it. No, no, there doesn't have to be more to it. Sometimes people leave jobs just because they feel like they have another opportunity. And then we say, well, you know, I don't, I don't, maybe Dr. Keenum didn't do enough or maybe John Cohen didn't shake his hand enough. You know, that's those, those concerns are unfounded. And there, and there's some people too, and I want to, I want to get into this too. I'll, I'm going to vent a little bit here about this. There are some people that the only time I hear from them is when there is potentially bad news for Mississippi State. It's the only time, and you, and you probably have friends like that too. The only time they text me, the only time they call me, is to complain and gripe and vent. And I guess they're looking for me to kind of assuage them of any uh, negative feelings and, and to reassure them. Um, but I'm not Doctor Phil. And so they reach out and say, oh, well, you know, Steve, this is just bad. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know. You know, we're, we're going to have to revamp the whole university. I, they're ready to bulldoze the campus all because somebody leaves for another job. You know, Dan Mullen left us for what he thought was a better job for he and his family. Dan Mullen's going to New Year's Six Bowl games from back-to-back years. They've got a chance to really con- contend for the SEC East this year. Could have done it last year, but it could be Georgia. And so I think you can argue two years later that Dan Mullen probably made the right decision. Now, we could argue that if he had been here in 2018, we probably have a legitimate chance to uh, to get in a New Year's Six, too, and maybe compete head-to-head with Alabama for the West. I think that's probably fair. Dan's never beaten Alabama, you know, at, uh, at Mississippi State anyway as head coach. And so that was one of those things you look at. And so, you know, listen, it, it's going to kill me if Dan Mullen wins the SEC and, and goes and wins an NFL championship at Florida. Because I'll be thinking, man, what could we have done here? And if Vic Schaefer goes to Texas and they win an NFL championship, I'm going to think, you know what? We missed our opportunity when we had him. We should have won an NFL championship. That Notre Dame game, I still think that was ripped away from us. But the bottom line is we didn't win. We didn't win. But rather than be critical of Vic – and be critical of our administration. I just look at this last eight years, and I just say thanks, Vic. Thank you. Because I did not understand the enjoyment that I was going to get from women's basketball. He made me a women's basketball fan. I I didn't really care that much. I wasn't emotionally invested in Mississippi State women's basketball or really any women's basketball. But now, you know, we have, you know, you know, Robbie Falk, that, that's a dedicated sport for him on our website. You know, used to, we'd run a media relations release or we'd go cover a postseason game. It's a full-time beat for us now. It's important. And that's what Vic Schaefer has built here. So rather than, than criticize Vic, and I've seen them in some of the social media groups, well, Vic never could win the big game. Vic won a lot of big games. Says that's the barometer now. If you don't win a national championship, you're not a great coach. Vic Schaefer's a great coach. Vic Schaefer's a guy that came here, but we had little to no tradition. You know, Sharon Fanny had done a couple, had, had a couple of really big years for us and, and really kind of got the ball rolling, and then Vic took it to the next level. And so I'm not going to sit here and, and you know, cry in, the, you know, in my lap and, and be all down in the mouth 
because it's over, I'm going to be grateful that it happened. Because the feelings that you feel today, you know, the anger and the, the you know, the sense of abandonment, it's because you care. And there are a lot of people that are angry at Vic, and so he didn't handle it real well. He never sent out a thank you to Mississippi State. You know, he'll do that because Vic is a is a quality individual. He will do that. Yesterday was a busy day for him, but you know, here's the thing: I don't need him to do that. It, it's not it's not going to change my feelings about him. It's not going to change my feelings about our basketball program or the direction basketball program. It's not going to change the memories that we all made together. We had a great run with Vic Schaefer. And what he has done now is he has made life awfully interesting for his successor because there are expectations now with this program. It's, it, we, listen, we're not just playing out the schedule because the SEC mandates that we do as a member institution. We're committed to women's basketball. Committed. And Vic walked away from you – know, he, he is the highest paid coach in women's college basketball that has not won a national championship. I mean, just let that sink in for a second. And you, know, and you know what? He should be. He should be the highest paid coach that hadn't won an Apple championship because he, he is that uh, at that level. He is that caliber of a coach. And so Mississippi State's commitment to Big Schaefer is not in question. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. I'm going to bring this you know, up, up to you here pretty quick because I, I think it's important that you know this. Because I've, I've, re- I've read some of There's a few people out there. It's so ridiculous. That they try to find some way. Let's blame John Cohen for this. Okay, so when John Cohen took over as athletic director at Mississippi State University, do you know what Big Schaefer was making as your women's basketball coach? The answer to that question is three hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year, three seventy-five. In this short time, I mean, you you go back and think about this. You know, with uh, you know John John took over what in seventeen. So in three years' time. We have more than tripled his salary, Big Schaefer's that is, and made him one of the highest paid coaches in the game, scheduled to make about $2 million at the end of his contract. We're invested in women's basketball. So don't think that Mississippi State didn't try to do enough to keep Big Schaefer. I'm told the administration and Dr. Mark Keenum were on board with whatever we needed to do. And Vic simply just felt that it was time to move on. Yeah, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, right? But if you had been told 10 years ago, you know what, guys? Mississippi State is going to play for the national championship in women's basketball. You'd have said, man, get out of here. And then I said, you know what? Not only are you going to play for it once, you're going to beat UConn along the way. Then you're going to go back the next year and play again, and uh, you, should, you should win the game. And that is still one of the most painful losses in my lifetime. When Rashonda knocked down that big three late, I said, we got it. We got it. Then we couldn't get a call. We couldn't get a stop. We lost the ball game. But along the way, too, we picked up a couple of SEC championships. We've never had those before. We won an SEC tournament championship for the first time. And, you know, I, I don't know if we've ever had a better fit than Vic Schaefer in many respects. Similar value system to Mississippi folks. Blue-collar guy. Believed in mom and dad. You know, believed in church and done on the grounds, that sort of stuff. You know, and the, one of the reasons that I think that he found a home here is because he was able to sell Mississippi State because Mississippi State was so similar to him. So now we move forward. A lot of discussions about new coaches, and you know, a lot of people have guesses, and a lot of people are saying, hey, let's, let's promote Johnny Harris. I am told, you know, unless Johnny is offered a job here, you know, Vic is going to take the entire staff. Vic's going to take everybody with him to Texas, and, and as well he should. You wouldn't go up there and start over. I mean, that's part of the package, right? You, know, you get Johnny, you get Marianne, you get Elena, you get all those people. You can, I mean, they're a great staff. They've done great things. And so they make the move, and that's fine. And so now we're going to start fresh. We've got a very talented roster. We need to make a decision sooner rather than later so we can kind of keep those – Ladies out of the transfer portal. They're committed to each other. You know, yesterday Big Schaefer had a conference call with them, and then John Cohen had one and kind of addressed some of their concerns. And as John says, we want to move quickly, but we're going to be thoughtful and thorough. Not going to just go make a decision right out of the gate. And of course, there's some people are saying, "Listen, there's one call to make, and that's Matthew Mitchell at Kentucky, Mississippi State alum from Louisville, Mississippi. He understands the Mississippi State family. He gets it. He understands." And there are other people that say, hey, it should be Johnny Harris. 
you know, she has been, uh, you know, Vic's first lieutenant for years and years and years. You know, and Vic told us initially when he got the job here, he wasn't going to take a job unless Johnny came with him. She's very, very popular. For when Vic decides to beat the bad cop, Johnny was always a good cop. They're kind of bad man and Robin in that respect. And so, you know, we'll see what happens with all of that. You know, Big Johnny obviously is on the list. But if you ask my honest opinion, I think we're going to go out and try to get an established coach first. I, that's my honest opinion. I think we'll go out there and we'll go gauge the interest and we'll go kick tires out there and we'll talk to Matthew Mitchells and, you know, Kelly Graves and other people like that. We'll, we'll go talk to those people and say, listen, this is what you're making. This is what we were paying. And this is what we can pay you. And this is what we've built right here. And so I don't think Mississippi State is going to have a first-time head coach unless it is Johnny Harris. And at this point, I don't expect that to be the case. I do believe she is on the list. But I don't think it's a situation where it's the slam dunk. I know some other people out there that are huge fans of our, our program are saying, hey, it's a, it's a no-brainer. you got to make the call here. I just don't know that that's the case. May end up being that, but I don't think I don't think it's as easy as some people think that we're just hey look, well Vic's gone today let's make an announcement press conference today I don't I don't think it's that easy and I think that's a little bit irresponsible to be honest with you I think what John Cohen has to do is to go out there and get the best coach possible if that happens to be Johnny Harris then great but I think you have to go out there I think you have a responsibility to Mississippi State you have a responsibility to this fan base to these players to go out there and get the best coach possible. And if you're not willing to go talk to people and at least listen to what people have to say, you haven't done a very thorough job of finding the right coach. That's my honest opinion. And so we're going to update the hot board as we get information. Robbie Fox put that together. I'm gonna, when I get information, I'm getting it to him. Robbie's running point on this for us. And so if you want to keep up to date with the latest, on, you know, latest situation with the coaching search, we're going to do our best to stay on top of it, just like we do with basketball and baseball and football and everything else. So come by, check it out. We're offering, I think I think that's still going on. We're off, you get the first month for a buck. It's jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. I remind you guys, too, I have made the switch to Hawthorne.co, the best-smelling cologne I have ever owned in my life, Hawthorne.co. Go, go to Hawthorne.co. That's H-A-W-T-H-O-R-N-E.co. Go there now. And take the quiz. Well, go after the show and take the quiz. And you give all these little, it's like a question and answer thing. And, and they give you some options and you pick those options. And then they will pair you up with a sense that best fit you, your preferences, and your chemistry. Very easy to do. Very important to do. Everybody wants to smell nice. You can do that. You'll smell nicer than ever before with the Hawthorne products. You can get body wash. You can get shampoo, conditioner. You can get face lotion. You can get body lotion. Whatever you need, deodorant. But that cologne is next level stuff. You get the work scent and the play scent. So you can be maybe a little more, a little wilder in the evenings. You know what I'm saying. Check it out. You're going to love it. We'll give you a promo code to save you a little cash to give you some incentive to give them an opportunity to serve you. That's Boneyard. That'll get you 10% off your very first order. Let me encourage you again. That's Hawthorne.co, promo code Boneyard. You're going to like the way you smell. All right, so we've had some, uh, some action with the traffic portal on the football side of things. Fabian Lovett enters the transfer portal uh, Friday, and then there was some discussion on Saturday that uh, there were some other players that were considering going in. Brevin Jones of Huffman High School in Birmingham, he has entered the transfer portal. He was a redshirt freshman. Uh, last year he redshirted as a freshman. He will have four years of eligibility left. He is a guy that when they first began, when we made the change, when we began to think about all of this, he's one of those guys that looked at and I said, you know, I could see him moving on. Just because, you know, Mike Leach and those guys usually have those behemoth, mammoth-type offensive linemen, he didn't necessarily fit that mold. He was kind of a late ad for State, uh, you know, really kind of a gritty, gutty, blue-collar type guy, kind of an underdog-type guy, liked him as a young man, wish him the absolute best. You know, Fabian Lovett's a guy that played last year in 13 games for us, started for us. You'd like to be able to get him back, but uh, it's one of those situations, too. It's not going to make or break our program. We're still going to play football this year. And I have tried, done my best to prepare people long before this day came. There, is, there are going to be players transfer. Now, it's been framed up that Fabian Lovett is leaving because of uh, the Mike Leach tweet. I don't know that I completely believe that. Now, that may have been, you know, 
the straw that broke the camel's back. But, you know, he tweeted out back in December that he, he should have got out of Mississippi when he when he had the chance. And so this is something that has been in his thought process for a while. And I'm not going to read his mind. I'm not going to speak for him. But this is this is not a total surprise that he is transferring. It is a disappointment. He's a very talented player. But life will go on. And Brevin Jones is now, now leaving. And there are going to be some quarterbacks leave. There are some people that simply don't fit. They don't fit the scheme. They don't fit the culture. And that's okay. It's not a personal thing. I've said many times on this show, you only get a short time in life to play sports. And I would never want to be, you know, a clipboard holder or a tackle dummy for anybody. I'd rather go somewhere that I can be on the field. Because you got plenty of time in life to work. And if I'm going to go through all this, you know, summer conditioning drills and all that kind of stuff, I want to see it on the field. And if I'm not good enough to play here, let me go somewhere that I am. I'm not scared to compete, but at the same time, too, I'm not going to waste four years of my life sitting around watching everybody else play. So there's going to be some of that. There's going to be some guys that decide, you know what, I'm going to, the, the pastures are greener somewhere else. And that's okay. It's not personal. We need, we're over signed for scholarships anyway. We've got to make some moves here. I'm eager to get this behind us and, and to get into practice and to get KJ Costello here and to get the players back on campus and have a chance to prepare for football. You know, there's just not a lot of good news right now as it relates to sports. You know, we had some good news last week. We saw you, Robertson, commits to Mississippi State. But there's not a lot of huge recruiting news going on. We're doing the best we can to kind of keep everybody updated and kind of keep things moving, keep you guys abreast of the latest developments. But there's just not a lot. Nobody's really pushing for commitments because you want to get people on campus. You want to have them have an opportunity to come and sit with your coaches and watch film and everybody get to know each other. And so when we do enter this covenant of the verbal commitment that everybody's on the same page, this is what we're going to do. This is how we feel. This is how serious we take this decision. And when you start taking commitments from guys that have never been on your campus, chances are they're not going to sign with you anyway. It's a waste of everybody's time. So when there's not that going on and you hear this transfer stuff, and, and let me tell you something. Again, there will be other people transfer. Mark my words right now. There are going to be other names in the portal. Could be this week, could be tomorrow, could be later today, could be in May. There are going to be other people leave. I, look, let me reiterate that because I don't think you heard me. There are going to be other people leave, and it's not going to be because of a tweet. It's going to be because they're not a good fit here. It's going to be because they wanted to have an opportunity to reboot their career and get on the field somewhere else. And it won't always be framed that way because people love a good headline. Most people read the headlines and don't even read the articles and just begin to comment on the headlines. So that, and that just kind of continues to kind of, you know, push the narrative along. But the bottom line is, we knew there would be attrition. Well, here it is. Here it is. You've got guys that are moving on. I, I, I shared with you back then what the folks in Washington State told me. They said, you're going to have guys leave, and you're going to have some guys leave that are names you know. You're going to have guys that are potential contributors that are going to leave. Just go ahead and prepare for that. So they had a, a ton of them the first year at Washington State. They also had a ton of kids on their roster that couldn't play. I don't think we're in the, that, that type of situation here at Mississippi State. But there are going to be some guys that just uh, see the writing on the wall. Let's just put it that way and say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and move on with life and, and do something else and go find some opportunity to play somewhere else. And it's not personal. And that's one of the things that bothers me sometimes about social media is Fabian Lovett makes a decision to transfer. It is his decision. He's old enough to make it uh, of his own volition and his own sound reasoning. It is all his decision 100%. And so to go attack him on social media is always the wrong look. Always. You know, and and it's, this is not something that's unique to Mississippi State folks. But if he wants to leave, let the kid leave in peace. Because you know what? For all those people that tweet at the kid and call him soft and you know, tell him the good riddance and that sort of stuff, he's got a teammate that saw that. He's got a former teammate that saw that. He's got a cousin that may be a prospect that sees that. It's not a good look for Mississippi State. We should be above that sort of thing. Always. Always, always, always. And there are some people out there, and listen, we got. I shared on Facebook the other day, I, I don't care who you are, where you're from. If you're willing to raise a cowbell as an act of war against our opponents, you're my family. And so I'm speaking to you as our family right here. Don't tweet at kids. Don't tweet negative stuff. I mean, it's just, it, 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 what does that prove? What does that change? 
let's say he was on the fence about transferring and say, you know what, maybe I'll just come on back. And all of a sudden, you know, you get, he gets inundated with hateful messages from people saying you weren't any good anyway. Well, then all that does is validate his decision to move on. It just complicates the process, you know, for your coaches that may be trying to talk him into staying. You're just making their jobs harder. So just leave it alone. Move on from it. Just like tweeting at recruits. Unless you've got something positive to say to our players, don't tweet at them. That's just wrong. That's the wrong thing to do. It's the it's a bad look for the university. It's a bad look for our fan base. And there's always going to be those people that just simply don't have it with them to kind of dial it back emotionally. And so, but my hope is that there's enough people out there that'll do the right thing and kind of say, you know what? Hey, this is this isn't us. This isn't who we are. You know, listen. If he wants to go, let him go. Wish him the best. But we're not going to get out here and trash a kid on social media just because he hurt our feelings a little bit because we feel a little bit rejected that he has decided to leave our program. You know, that same kid that, that, that you feel rejected by now, you absolutely loved him when he decided to sign with you on National Signing Day. You loved him, called him the anchor of the class. Remember all that stuff? Well, that talk didn't go away. So let's not be, let's not be the middle school girlfriend that gets so jealous and, and, and or boyfriend. I, I don't want to be uh, – considered offensive there. But let, let's not have the junior high school romance where, uh, you know, our feelings, you know, kind of sway back and forth based on something like this. Just be an adult about it. There, there are a lot of grown folks that are not mature enough to be on Twitter. I, I've said it a million times. There are a lot of grown folks that don't have any business on Twitter because they're just not mature enough to handle it. They're just not mature enough to handle the interaction with other people. Just, just can't do it. I want to remind you guys, too, there are some of you guys out there that uh, that struggle with erectile dysfunction. Our friends at Get Roman are here to help you. I've shared with you guys before the global pandemic that uh, the average wait time to see a doctor in the U.S. was 29 days. Well, it's even greater now. Unless you have certain conditions, it's going to be difficult for you to get in and see a doctor. So that's just going to delay much of the quality of your life when it comes to you and your significant other. Our friends at Roman have spent years getting a digital platform together to fit your needs. That can connect you with a doctor license in your very own state, all from the comfort of your own home. And that's where we all are right now. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment that you need on your schedule. Not just that you want, but what you need. So grab your phone or computer or electronic device and complete a free online visit. You'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment's right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or you just want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with erectile dysfunction, go to GetRoman.com. That's GetRoman.com forward slash Boneyard. Get your free online visit and free two-day shipping. GetRoman.com forward slash Boneyard. Simple as can be. There's no point living with that. There's no point having to deal with that if you don't have to. So give these folks an opportunity to serve you. So let's get into today's uh, top 10 list. I get a lot of suggestions, and I cannot remember who sent me this one, so I apologize for not giving you your, your just due here. But we're going 80s, we're going 80s horror flicks, 80s horror films. Now, this is my list, and uh, I watched a ton of 80s horror movies because, you know, that was that was the cool thing to do back then. So, you like, you had the Teeny Bopper movies, you had the John Hughes films, you had, you know, Can't Buy Me Love and Sixteen Candles and all that stuff, and that was all really cool and weird science. But then you had the horror films, and it seemed like that was a glory decade, a golden age of sorts in horror films. We had a lot of slasher-type movies back in those days. So my list might be a little different than yours. The one thing that I'll tell you, too, is that uh, all of those demon possession movies just really, really gave me the willies. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I just Even now, when those demon possession movies are on, it just ugh, drives me crazy. I don't get a lot of enjoyment out of those movies. Yeah, I watch The Actresses and all that sort of stuff, and uh, but it makes you so uncomfortable. You know what I'm saying? It just, ugh, I can't stand them. But I watch them. They make me uncomfortable. I like being scared. So here are my honorable mentions, and some of you may disagree. Some of you will say, well, Steve, I can't believe, I can't believe you don't have these on your list. Well, here's my honorable mentions. And, and I didn't, like, I'll give you an example, too. Like we did with Rocky, 
I don't go through and have, uh, you know, I, I don't have, you know, four or five films in a franchise on the list. The first honorable mention is Witchboard. That's the Ouija board movie. It, it's no one of stinks to kind of freaked me out. If I'm not mistaken, Tony Katane was in that movie, and I love Tony Katane. Absolutely love Tony Katane. Loved her before she was even in the White Snake videos. Aliens. Uh, that's more of a science fiction movie to me, but it was one of those movies too that was really, really creepy, really made you uncomfortable. And then Halloween. I wasn't a huge Michael Myers fan. I thought a lot of those. I thought to me. I thought Jason was a better villain, but a lot of people love those Halloween movies and they love Jamie Lee Curtis as the big screaming, you know, I get it. So there's my honorable mentions, but here's my list of uh, the horror films that kind of got next to me and made me a little bit uncomfortable. Number 10, An American Werewolf in London. This is kind of an underappreciated classic. It's two guys that go backpacking over in, over in Europe to go find themselves. One guy gets killed by the werewolf, and the other one becomes a werewolf. And when he has that transformation, when he's transforming from a, a man to the wolf, it is so creepy. And back in those days, it was so incredibly weird to see that happen. It's like something we had never really seen in movies. That movie is wild. Number nine on my list is a little bit different. It's The Hitcher. You guys remember that Rutger Howard's a hitchhiker and C. Thomas Howell picks him up and C. Thomas was uh, you know, a, a huge star in the 80s. This is another one of those uh, cautionary tales about why you shouldn't pitch up, pick up hitchhikers. But uh, that's that's a good one. I don't know if you can find it on uh, on Netflix. I don't know. If many of these movies are classics. But uh, that's one, if you can find it's worth the look. Number eight, Children of the Corn. I was almost scared to watch this as a teenager. I just, you know, when when that when the when it came out, I saw Malachi and all those people, and I was like, you know what, I, I don't even want to ride by a cornfield. You know, just it was really weird. I watched it, I loved it, it, scared me to death. I went back and watched it several years ago with my kids, and they all laughed. And it it, it seems kind of hokey in hindsight, like the way that thing ended was really kind of stupid. But but uh, like a lot of Stephen King movies, you know, there's a lot there's a lot to it, and then he kind of has trouble wrapping them up. You know what I'm saying? Like to come up with a reasonable explanation of where all this drama's coming from. Um, but yeah, that was a tough one. Children of the Corn, and, and people talk about that now. That even now, when they ride through uh, the Midwest and to Iowa and places like that, and they talk about waiting to see Malachi and those people step out of there. That was a crazy movie. Number seven for me. I thought Clive Barker was uh, an incredible writer. Hellraiser. That's one of those one of those movies you watch and you just think, you know, it's so over the top. You know that it couldn't be true, but it's still so incredibly scary. They're, you know, they franchised that movie too. I don't think anything's better than the first one. Number six for me, Friday the Thirteenth. Most of my favorite Friday the 13th movies came after the original one, but the very first one was insane. The very first one, and, and it seems like that, even like when you watch Stranger Things, like on Netflix now, like that first se season was so dark and ominous, and you didn't know what was going on. It was also scary, and then they kind of get lighter and funnier lately, later. That's kind of how the, uh, the, Nightmare Night the Friday the 13th movies were. You know, Friday the 13th, the one, uh, The Man Behind the Mask with Alice Cooper, I guess that was number six. Absolutely loved that one. That's the first one I got to see in the theaters. But uh, love that whole franchise. I think Jason is the uh, is the premier villain of, of that genre in many respects. Number five for me is The Shining. Still freaks me out. I mean, it's just, it's so, we talk about, you know, Social distancing and quarantining. You go back and look at that. They get, they get all hemmed up with uh, the wife and kid and and uh, that big house. And next thing you know, things are crazy. And uh, it was an incredible movie. Uh, I still think the kid was the smartest person of the, of, all, of them all. You know, him backtracking and running backwards and making like he ran one way when he didn't in the snow. You know, what I'm talking about number four on the list. I have probably seen this movie a hundred times. Poltergeist. It's crazy, too. A lot of people that worked on Poltergeist are now dead. Uh, as a teenager watching that movie, it was one of those things that was so over the top, like when, uh, you know, when the tree gets the kid, you know, and Carolina goes into the TV set and all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, that stuff is real, but it was so disturbing 
to a teenager, and even the movie still holds up. So you can go watch it now. It's insane. Number three on my list, and again, I saw this in the theater. Read the book first, Pet Cemetery, Stephen King. Uh, loved the fact that Joey Ramone was in the movie. They had uh, you know, Pet Cemetery. The, the soundtrack title track was uh, by the Ramones. Church was the cat. You know, there's just so many things that happened in that movie. It's just so weird. But it's one of those things, too, I couldn't turn away. I was so engaged with all of it, I just could not turn away. Gage, what is his name? Gage. And then you got uh, Herman Munster is in the movie. Highly recommend that one. Number two, and I love this entire franchise, even though it got really, really corny late, but Nightmare on Elm Street. The first Nightmare on Elm Street is an absolute classic movie. And it did make us kind of scared to go to sleep. You know what I'm saying? It was just one of those movies, even though we knew that it wouldn't be real, it, it Freddy Krueger kind of came to your dreams. You're thinking, man, this is crazy. But the more the, the the more they went on, we kept going. Like Freddy's Revenge was good, and you know, Dream Warriors to me is the second best of them all. Not just because of the fact that Dokken had the uh, had the uh, the great song there, but uh, Patricia Arquette was in the movie. It was great. But Nightmare on Elm Street, the original one, that, that's one that'll scare you to death. But to me, the creepiest scariest movie. I was so ready for this thing to be over. I could not wait for this movie to end. It was the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. They made it seem like the whole thing was real. And, uh, you know, in the end when the girl's trying to get away and, and they hang the girl on the meat hook and everything, it was so grotesque. I just wanted to be free of that movie. And I know that after that they had Leatherface and they had the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Nothing will ever compare to the creep level of that first one and Leatherface. It is so incredibly awesome as a horror film. And so if you're if you're a young guy and you're looking for, you know what, I want to watch something scary this week, find a way to watch that movie. I don't mean all the, the, the remakes. Go back and watch the original one. It'll change you. I don't know that any of us that saw that movie were ever the same. So that's my list. Your list may, may differ. You message me. Let me know what you think. Uh, I'm happy to give your uh, take your suggestions on this, and so this is a good category. And uh, many of these movies I hadn't thought about in a long time, but uh, but that's where we are with that. And uh, really look forward to our next list on Wednesday. I'll remind you guys, two campus bookmarks been with us a long time, long time sponsors of the show. Uh, you can still shop with them online at campusbookmart.net. Stan and man, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew will take care of you. They'll treat you like family because you are family. Simple as that. Good people, good products, good prices. Mom, Dad, I'm going to tell you this. All the kids would love to get a free gift in the mail. They'd love to get something just out of the blue. It doesn't have to be a birthday or an Easter gift or anything like that. Just something just because you love us. And we'd like to have a uh, some Mississippi State memorabilia. We'd like to have a Mississippi State shirt. Anything with maroon and white on it, we're going to wear it. And, that, and that's one thing that I, I can't wait to do is for us to get back together as a Mississippi State family. So let's all go ahead in advance of that and buy us a fresh outfit so we'll be able to support, support the brand and support a local merchant and uh, Campus Bookmark. Great people. Go online and shop with them at campusbookmark.net. Promo code BSR will get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. BSR, of course, stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And again, that's free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks at campusbookmark.net. So... I spent about an hour yesterday speaking with Tyler Russell, and uh, I am going to transcribe that today, maybe this evening before it gets posted. It's a very lengthy, lengthy interview. going to run it as a straight q and I'm not going to try to write a story around it. I'm just going to ask him some questions. I'm going to run it as a Q&A all the way back to when you know his high school career began, about beating South Panola, showing up here as a, as a freshman, redshirting, working his way through, becoming a starter, getting injured, and then kind of supporting Dak. You know, it was people forget 2013 was Tyler Russell's single senior year, and he was coming off a great year in 2012. That's the we believe year. We got off to a 7-0 start, and we're putting up big numbers on everybody, and then we got hit by a train against Alabama. Uh, and so there's some things that happened in that season that I was unaware of. There were some things now that he's a few years removed from this thing, and now that Dan Mullen's in Florida, there's some things he was very candid about. Sometimes he played hurt. 
some things that were said in locker rooms, some things that were said in the meeting rooms, and, that, and hopefully is a motivational ploy. But there are some things he was very honest and frank about. And so I'm going to share those with you because I think it's important that you know. And also, too, how did he and Dak handle all that? You know, it's Dak's coming in, and next thing, everybody kind of knew that Dak was really kind of the keys to the kingdom because he could handle the running component of the offense. He was the closest thing to Tim Tebow that we had. You know, Tyler was a pocket passer, probably would have really excelled in this offense that we're about to, to install with Mike Leach. But Tyler kind of, you know, he pulls the curtain back a little bit and kind of gives us some insight into all of that, about how he handled things and about things kind of in the locker room and talked at length about Chris Smith. And you guys know Chris, God rest his soul, about how important it was. And, and he made mention, too, of some things that I wanted to share with you. said he found out later. In hindsight, after Chris had been killed, and he and Chris had kind of lost touch, and said that Chris thought, you know, well, you know, Tyler's kind of going to go going on, and uh, they're they were somewhat distant. And Tyler says, you know, I wish I had known. I wish I had known that Chris was struggling. I wish I had known that Chris needed me as a friend. I wish I had known this. And that's what happens in life. We get busy worrying about our own things. We do. We get busy worrying about our own lives. We've got our own families to feed. And it's easy to kind of let some of those friendships slip away a little bit. You know, it's one of those things I think about, you know, when, when we all were, we're all in high school, it seems like we're not really all friends until we're seniors. And I think a lot of that's because we have that shared experience of thinking, okay, we're leaving our comfort zone here. I'm not going to see you anymore. I kind of know my place in this social group, but I'm going somewhere different. And you kind of go through that, that part of the, the maturation process together. And there are some people that I hugged on graduation night that I have not seen since. I've made no attempt to contact them. They're just not part of my life. It's not that I'm bitter or anything, but you go separate ways. And that's one of the things when I think about this quarantine now think about this isolation. Many of us have a lot more free time. What I'm committed to do is I'm going to reach out to some of those people when I was in high school with them. So you know what? I don't know if I ever told you this. But one time we did this, and I've always remembered that. It was a good memory. And I wish you and your family the best. Because you never know what somebody's going through. I had somebody, you know, I've been in recovery a long time. Over 28 years. If I make it to December, it'll be 29. If I make it. Chances are that I will. But I had somebody recently share something with me. I said, you know, sometimes there's just one person propping up somebody else. Sometimes that's all it's down to. You know, we look at other people and we interact with them on social media and we think they're all doing good. But sometimes just sending a kind word somebody's way will make all the difference. There are some people in my life when any time that I get a message from them, it means something special to me. You know, there's some You get caught up sometimes in day-to-day -day activities, but you know, like, you know, my mom is a great example. You know, my mom is uh, is uh, is a prolific Facebooker. You know, she's always on Facebook and she's always messaging my kids and, she, and she'll even befriend, she'll even friend request their friends sometimes, you know, after she's met them because she wants to know what's going on. And she sent these messages of encouragements. And, I, and one day it hit me. One day I'm not going to have that. You know, one day I'm not going to have that. I'm not going to have her to, to send me a message and then write her full name at the bottom. I'm not going to have the, those things that I kind of, snicker about and laugh about those, you know, those things about our parents that are somewhat unique. And, and uh, it struck me this morning, I was messaging with a friend about grandparents. I don't have any left. I don't have any grandparents left. And, uh, and I think about that. In some ways, I feel somewhat cheated in that respect. But I'll tell you, so grateful to have had the grandparents that I had. And I would do just about anything to reach out to them today and say, you know what, th thanks for what you did for me. You know, my, my dad's parents, they, uh, they had a huge dairy farm out there on Augusta Road in Ellisville, Mississippi. And that means so much to me now, to know that what I came from. My dad wanted me to have a better life. Not that he felt he had a bad life, but my dad slept through to a bed with two brothers in a full-size iron bed in a bedroom where they had to keep all their possessions in, uh, in a footlocker of their own. But I'm so grateful to be a part of that upbringing. That those same, those same values about hard work and, and not shirking your responsibilities and being accountable, my dad passed all that down to me. And that was taught to him by his parents. And, I, and my sister sent me something. She found something my dad had filled out at church. And uh, my dad went to Baptist Church there in, uh, or Methodist Church there in, in Canton, Mississippi. And uh, he filled out a card. He says, I'm grateful to my parents 
for teaching me the value of work and not to shirk my responsibilities. And uh, she sent that to me. You know, one day I might even get a tattoo of that. But those kind of things matter to me. And I think about on my mom's side of the family, and my grandfather was a pastor. And uh, his wife, my grandmother, probably the strongest woman I've ever known. But they were essentially my parents until I was nine years old. I lived with them until my mom got remarried. And so if your grandparents are still living, you know, let me encourage you to reach out to them. Let them. Number one, you should do it anyway. But number two, with all this fear in the world, I'm sure they're probably a little more fearful than most. They've seen a lot more than we have. And many of them are probably you know, getting to that phase in their life and they're thinking, you know what, I'm ready to go. When, they, when it's time for me to go, I'm ready to go. But none of us are going to be ready for them to go. And so let me encourage you, reach out to people, reach out to your friends, let them know that you're thinking about them, let them know they matter to you. That's one of the things that, uh, one of the most harmful things about addiction, and I've shared it to many people, is that it convinces you that you are all alone. It convinces you that you are by yourself, that nobody loves you, nobody cares, and that if anything happened to you, that everybody would be okay, that everybody would just move on with life, and nobody would mourn your loss. And I don't want anybody that I love to ever feel that way, and I know you don't either. And reach out to your grandparents because they'd love to hear from you. I'm going to be a grandparent soon too. Cannot wait to hold that child in my arms. Don't you know? Hopefully the the pandemic will be gone by then, and I won't have to look at her through a you know through windows. But whatever whatever that means, you know, I know that there are changes coming for me in my life. And uh, when I look back at this this chapter in our lives, I don't want to look back and say, you know what, I wasted every one of those days. You know, I'm, I'm, tomorrow is day one of the writing process for the sequel to Stark Villains. I cannot wait to get started. Got a couple more things to do before I get started, but I'm going to get started. And I'm ready to get that done. But also, too, not just about work. I, I want to use this time to strengthen relationships for the people that I care about. And uh, whether that be Mississippi State friends and family or my real friends and family. You know what I'm saying? There are some people out there that I know that... Uh, are proud to have me as part of their circle. And I don't always maybe show them the gratitude and appreciation that I should because I'm so busy doing everything else. And so I have used this time to reach out to some, and I'm going to make an even bigger commitment from all that because I don't want any of my friends to feel like that I'm not paying attention to what's going on with them. And if they need me, I want to be there for them. Well, that's going to do it for today. I didn't mean to get on the soapbox, but uh, that's part of the deal. But look for that Tyler Russell piece late today. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat, and I'm going to get to work on that. And then uh, we'll have some other great things for you. A lot of, And all the transfer news, we'll have all that over at Gene's page. You can kind of keep up with all that there. And, of course, Robbie and I working together. But he is the point guy on this uh, women's basketball thing. That's his sport. So he will be the expert. But we'll work on this together just kind of make sure we can keep you up to date on what's going on. And uh, if anything changes or develops, we'll have it right there first. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.